Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up? Welcome in to Inside Carolina Premier Live podcast on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock. It's on to be live. Three-person show tonight, Ross Martin, producer John Bowman, and I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. All right, boys, it's on the beat live Tuesday. Ross, have you recovered from your West Coast swing? Yes, I'm here, here and healthy. It is a, I saw a um, reporter ask a question to Mac Brown on Sunday from Portland, and he was at the press conference on Monday at 11 o'clock or thereabouts in Keenan Stadium. Um, pulling red eyes to get back from Mac Brown. It is championship week. Good to have Ross back. Adam preparing to go to Indiana to cover Carolina and Indiana on, I guess, Wednesday night, 9-15 from Assembly Hall. John Bowman, I'm going to let you start first because in your Slack to us, you said, I've got a lot of hot takes tonight. So, Ross, I'm going to let him start it. What do you think? Sure, Let's go. take it. Well, I, I joined the show two weeks ago. Uh, I haven't haven't watched any UNC sports since. Has anything changed in the last two weeks with the Carolina football and basketball teams? It feels like everything has changed. I, I will I've say this on the show. Judging from the press conference, nothing's really changed. Uh, Monday football press conferences, ACC championship games coming up. They're in it. But anyway, I digress. I'll let you start it though. Hot take us in. Come on, where's the flames? Everything. I started the show two weeks ago by pulling up the uh, college football playoff tracker on 538. I don't think that's that's necessary tonight. Um, but there's still a tremendous opportunity in front of this UNC football team. Uh, another thing that I talked about two weeks ago is that this is the UNC football team's window. In sports, even in life, your window to accomplish your goals is a lot shorter than you think it is. And I think this UNC football team has had a special season so far. It kind of took a, a nosedive in the last two weeks, but they still have an opportunity to do something very special on Saturday night in Charlotte. And I don't know if they're going to get, you know, there's been a lot of talk about next year already with, with Drake May returning, but I don't know if they're going to get this same shot next year looking at how the ACC is setting up. So I think this is a huge opportunity for the Carolina football program to take its shot at winning an ACC football championship against a Clemson team that is not as strong as they have been historically. That's my hot take to start out the night. Go ahead, Ross. I mean, I don't know why that was a hot take. It sounds like Mac Brown. <laughs> I I don't I don't I don't I don't 
disagree with you, John. I think, and I've said it for the last couple of weeks, I think they let some opportunities um, slip through the fingers in the last two weeks on the football field. Um, but, hey, 9-3, and three, everybody on this podcast would have said absolutely. Um, I believe I had 10-2. and two. I was the only one. I think a couple of people had 9-3. and three. Um, But Carolina's playing Clemson, so you're right. The opportunity's there. Um, to win the ACC championship in the last year of uh, divisions. Max said on Monday he was one of three coaches that voted against divisions um, for various reasons, but one um, reason that changing it, Ross, is going to be – it's going to be a lot tougher for North Carolina to get to the ACC championship because now yeah. not do you have to beat – not only do you have to beat six coastal teams, you got to beat the 14 other ACC teams to get in one and two. So – uh, a big chance, like John said. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a great – yeah, everything John said is right. It's a great opportunity. But I think the fact that you're comparing – we're comparing our – what we expected out of this team based on what we said in August, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Um, standards change. And the standard for this team changed once we figure out how good Drake May was and with Josh Downs. I think the standard for this team changed. So, I don't think – we shouldn't be letting them off the hook for losses to Georgia Tech and State. Those are two games they should have won. And they blew it. Um, so this team should be one eleven and one. And I don't really know what happened. Something's off with the offense. I, I think it's, it's fair to say that other teams have gotten a, enough tape on Drake now. That might be one reason teams are. And look, State's defense was great. Is great. You know, top twenty in, in most of the meaningful categories. But both those games, they they should have won. Um, especially Georgia Tech and, and both at home too, which is, is that's kind of. Um, demoralizing to, to win they're limping into the season there's no real limping into the championship game um there's no other way to put it uh, i think fans are very disappointed about how they ended the season because like john said this is the window like you said tommy it's gonna be harder to get the championship game moving forward because you have to beat Florida state clemson um you know, you know um other teams that improved i'm trying to think who else has, has been good recently louisville's um, been good wake won't be good next year without hartman yeah it's, you know ebbs and flows there'll be other good teams that are going to be in um unc's way and they had an easy path in the coastal and they got got to the championship game twice and the window with drake just like it was with sam there's a small window you have with these great guys um with josh downs too i mean this is going to be his last couple games so um yeah, I mean, it'd be, it would be a great – to beat Clemson, I think, would – you would kind of be able to flip the script here late, and that would be – it'd be good to get to 10 wins with a win over Clemson. And you get their Orange Bowl, chance for 11 wins. That would be a really, really good season, but there's no way to they, – they did blow it, I think, because George Tech and State. And I don't think it's, it's kind of – you're kind of lying yourself if you if you think they ended that they, – they've ended the season any other way. Yeah, that's what I – we talked about it. I heard Shotmer talk about it on, on – and calling the shots with you and I, and I tried to talk about it a little Monday is that once you get to five, six, seven, eight, nine, and one, then nine and three is not acceptable. And, and I've said it and I'll still say it. And I believe it is that nine and three is acceptable for some people. And to your points, standards change nine and three after being nine, nine and one with Georgia Tech and NC state is not acceptable. Is it good when we look back um, on the annals of history and say they won nine games? It was like it's an eight-win program, I always say. They won nine. But I think what Mac was so fired up about on Monday at his press conferences is that he does not want the fact to be lost that they're nine yeah. and three. 
and I agree with that 100%. Carolina football to be nine and three—that's that's a heck of a season for Carolina football. It's just how they got there, and I think John and you can chime in here. I think how the sausage is made, how this sausage log was made, is important here. And um, you know, NC State's a good team. People can dog on State all they want. That defense was legit, and they had a good plan. Um, like Longo said, it wasn't the same plan that Georgia Tech had, but Georgia Tech just outplayed them, and that that cannot happen, whether they're nine and one or eight and three or two and nine. I mean, that Georgia Tech team was was not good. So I think it was a missed opportunity, but the opportunity still presents itself on Saturday, and maybe, and I, I want y'all's take on this: maybe playing with no expectations and no pressure is better for this team. What do you think, John? Yeah, I listened to Drake May's press conference today, and he was talking a little bit about the the pressure that he faces as a quarterback. He he said something interesting talking about how human nature naturally comes in. And I think that maybe this team did feel a little bit of pressure the last two weeks, and now all of that pressure is gone. Um, And I think that that is going to allow this team uh, to to play freely. They've played some of their best football when they're in that sort of underdog position. And I think even though Clemson lost this past weekend, there are not a lot of people who are expecting very much from North Carolina. Whereas if they would have kept winning, this would have been essentially a college football playoff game, play-in game essentially, and there would have been tons of pressure on Drake May in this offense. So maybe they would play a lot better with all that pressure off. Um, I think too, Ross, you referenced the offense and, and what's happened over the last last uh last few games for unc there was one stat that i wanted to to bring in right off the bat here this is unc's red zone conversion percentage by month in august and september they can they scored on 92 percent of their red zone attempts in october they scored in 90 percent of their red zone attempts and then in november this month they've scored in 68 percent of their red zone attempts so i think that explains a lot of what we've seen this month as well. It's a UNC offense that has really just stalled out in the red zone these past few weeks, and that's what led to some of the results that we saw against Georgia Tech and NC State. Yeah, I yeah, mean, let me call a thing right here. Let, mm-hmm. let me pop up something. Hold on. We're going to get this interactive. Dwayne Hamlet. It's a new name. I hadn't seen it, but appreciate you joining the chat. Why ponder and cry over spilled milk, move on, Carolina's playing football in early December. Literally just said that. And literally, that's what Mac said over and over and over on Monday. Go ahead, Ross. Yeah, yeah, but I think journalistically, I mean, it's our job to kind of look back. You know, we haven't talked in this podcast since State. So, yeah, like, we're talking about it because it's kind of our job to reflect. Um, you know, we'll move on to Clemson here in a bit. But, uh, yeah, I think we're a good topic here is the standard. I think nine, we have nine wins. Everybody would have taken that. I think UNC in general, nine wins, ten wins is a great season. You know, that, you know. That's rare. Um, and I think that should be the goal every year. It should be eight, nine, ten wins. You know, down years should be six or seven. Um, you know, average should be about eight. And you would you, you would hope you can get up to that nine, ten win um, echelon every once in a while. Um, so I think you'll look back at this as being a very successful season. But I saw a comment that 11-1 was, was so feasible. And that was so, you know, it was right there. And uh, here's, I'll show it right here table is set to be a Garrett chap. I wonder if that's his real last name. Um, that was, it was all set to be 
I mean, it's awesome. And then a chance to go 13 and one or, or 12 and two. So that's just, it's disappointing. And I think it's the disappointing part that the, the teams they lost to are just not, you know, third and fourth string quarterbacks. Like it's like classic Carolina football. They, they all, it's something always like that tends to happen, but they've been riding, they've been riding on the edge all year. Um, you know, Duke, Miami, um, Virginia. I mean, they have been in close games all year, and it was bound to flip just by uh, odds, and it happened against Tech, and then against um, in double overtime against NC State. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you look back, let me let me ask people in the chat: How many people remember Carolina was eleven and one in two thousand fifteen? I do. I remember oh. that as well. But what do people in the chat? But what do you remember most about that season? You remember the onside kick against Clemson. They lost that game. And you remember Baylor beating their butt. That's what people remember. The end of the seasons. And that is why. And we see where it went from there. From Larry Fedora and that team. It went 11-3. and 8-5, and five, I think. Because they lost to Stanford in that bowl game. And then the bottom fell out. So that's, the, that's my point. It is, and to Ross, to the point you just brought up. You had it set up to have a not just a better season than North Carolina ever has to one of the best seasons in college football. And I just think it was lost opportunity. That said, none of it matters anymore. And none of it matters because Carolina faces Clemson on Saturday night in Bank of America Stadium. And people in the chat, and we could talk about this, and I don't know what y'all garnered from the players today, Ross, but the secondary for North Carolina is banged up. But Clemson hadn't really thrown it well. And so, you know, I don't know how Carolina approaches this game on defense. Um, you know, they harp on the fact that they've been better later in the season. I mean, the numbers don't show that. Maybe the scoring defense in the fourth quarter, in the second half, in the fourth quarter show that. But the numbers certainly don't. Um, well, the defense done enough last two games, I think, to win. Um, you know, with t- 21 points to Georgia Tech. And then what, what was the state's final score? 30? 20. Yeah, 24 in regulation. Yeah, 24 in regulation. So, I mean, that with the way that UNC's offense has been playing, that the defense has done enough um, and made plays too, um, turnovers here and there, um, and missed opportunities too, missed chances for turnovers. I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if we get more Marcus uh, Allen and, and Will Hardy on a big stage, um, Tony Grimes's and Storm Ducks and Cam Kelly's status is in question. Um, heading into Saturday night. But one thing that I think it's been a concern all year has been the pass rush. And I listened to Mac Russ asked about that a lot on Monday. Tommy, I know you were there. Um, he doesn't really have an answer for it. They just can't get pressure on the quarterback. And it didn't help losing three starters. Didn't help losing Noah Taylor, Desmond Evans. But it, they just, it, they, they're last in the ACC in um, pass rush. And teams have had success. Quarterbacks have success against UNC's defense. Um, over and over. So, I mean, you can't just say that DJU is not going to have I me. Mean, he, he could have a great game against UNC. Um, it's kind of what he's, do. Yeah, if he's hot. So, looking back over the season, I think Carolina played 12 games. Keaton Slovis from Pittsburgh wasn't very good. And then the Virginia Tech quarterback, can't call his name right now, was not very good. Those were the only two quarterbacks that played below their quote-unquote norm against North Carolina. The rest of them I mean, I mentioned it to Chiswick Monday. I mean, Ben Finley talked about how he was like – he felt like he was on a camp out. He had so much time in, in the backfield to, to make plays. Um, 
I, I think this, and we'll talk more about the game plan on Thursday, but I think this is a game where you got to force DJU to throw the ball. And if he does and he lights up Carolina, like Mr. Hardy said in the chat, then it is what it is. But you just can't let Clemson run wild on them. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the 49 yards they held state to, I, I, you know, we were covering a basketball game during that game too, so I wasn't – I was locked into kind of both. But I didn't know they held – State's only fifty nine yards rushing. That's, that's that's great. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that I think they have the ability um, to do some things. Will Shipley is a different animal um, yeah. than any NC State running back, and, and State didn't really need to run it against North Carolina because Finley threw it. I think what forty times and uh, twenty nine mm-hmm. for forty or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see. But if I'm Carolina in this game, I'm selling out the farm to stop Will Shipley. And if they beat me passing, then they just do. John, you got any more of them stats you bring up? Well, I was going to mention, too, with, with DJU, I think he is a great running threat. And UNC, we, we all know this, UNC struggles to defend running quarterbacks. I think he also brings uh, a certain physicality to the running game that UNC will struggle with. Um, someone like like Ben Finley, I think you just brought the the comment up. He was sitting back there eating a sandwich on on Friday against North Carolina's defense, but he was also a statue back there. He was not a very mobile guy on Friday. Um, but DJ is going to present some other challenges for for UNC's defense. He's going to be able to run the ball. Um, I I could see it being a little bit like a game that that Riley Leonard had uh, for for Duke against UNC earlier in the season. I think that's the thing that's going to give UNC the most trouble. Um, I did have one stat in the positive uh, column. There's been a lot of talk about all the young young DBs uh, this week, but I thought also Miles Murphy had his best game in, in a while. His PFF grade was 71.1, which is his highest grade since the Georgia State game early in the season. And also he generated, uh, I believe, three pressures on Saturday, which was his highest since Florida A&M. So if you're looking for positive signs, there's another one in addition to all those freshman defense. Yeah, backs and he's, you know, he's finally healthy. Um, mm-hmm. He was banged up for about three or four games midway through the season, and he has been noticeably better, I think, against Georgia Tech. Um, before that, before that against – who was that against? When he got Wake. hurt? Or, oh, um, yeah, yeah. No, just like he the last played game. played against Wake. Wake. Wake, Georgia Tech, and then State. So it's good to see him because he was supposed to have a great, great year. But I think he was just had an ankle thing that lingered. So I would expect him to be back next year. Never know now with transfers coming up December 5th. But, uh, you know, he is a solid piece that they need to, you know, imagine him and Travis Shaw might be your, and, and Kevin Hester will be your interior lineman next season, too. Um, if we want to move on to Clemson here, I mean, I think a big thing that we kind of talked about or we can't talk about is. I think I do, I do think UNC has a little more motivation this game. You know, like they're like you said, Tommy, they're coming in with with not much to lose, a lot less pressure. And you know, Clemson's not used to not playing for anything. They usually have the eye on the college football playoff. That's out the window. So they're playing for an orange bowl, which is below their standards. And I'm sure Clemson fans would say that, right? So, you know, it's kind of like when Alabama doesn't make the cultural playoff, they usually lose that bowl game. Um because they just don't, they're not motivated. It's like not where they're used to being. And, and you know, if they're not playing for a championship, um, there's lack of motivation to play as hard. So that might be a situation um, what we could we could see. I mean, it's definitely going to be a factor. I think UNC is excited to play Clemson. I think it would be a huge win, like we've said. 
and the chance to play in an Orange Bowl, two out of the last three Orange Bowls, is pretty cool as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, you said a couple of weeks ago that I listened to all the press conferences, and yeah, unfortunately I do. Uh, but I also listened to Dabo Sweeney on Sunday on the uh, on the ACC championship game press conference, and he said they're going to be ready to play. There's a lot to play for. They have five goals every year. They still can reach four of them. Um, and but you're right. I mean, Clemson's. I think had Clemson beat South Carolina. Carolina would be in more trouble than they might be right now because then they'd have to set an example. Um, but then again, maybe that creates more pressure. But I think um, – I just think Carolina can play free with no expectation. And Clemson, we'll see what happens. But that's a great point because I remember Alabama, who did they play like Utah or somebody like that in the Sugar Bowl? They lost the Sugar Bowl. I don't think it was Utah, but I do remember that was – it was the Sugar Bowl and they got yeah. beat. Yeah, and, and so there's that aspect of it. I don't think there'll be any problem for North Carolina getting up. I do worry a little bit about momentum. Uh, uh, you know, Mac always talks about momentum um, and Carolina's offense. We we mentioned that. Um, I, I think defenses have um, – the bottom line is if you can get pressure with three, like NC State did and Georgia Tech was able to do, uh, then it's tough to throw on eight people. It felt like watching that game in Keenan Stadium on Friday – and, and I know my man Slagle sits up there near where I do, but from the angle we had, nobody was open. And, uh, and if they were open, it was a very t- – it was like the porthole window to throw in rather than the bay window to throw in for Drake May. And it you could tell it. And then NC State tackled. And I think Clemson's secondary is the weak spot. I mentioned on the message board, and Ross, you wrote the article about all the ACC teams – is Clemson's defensive lines first and second team all ACC. And quite frankly, they probably all could have been first team uh, if you wanted to do that. So that that is going to be Carolina's thing. Um, let's talk about the ACC all-conference teams, Ross. Obviously, Drake May, all-ACC quarterback. Josh Downs, all-ACC wide receiver. Um, did Cedric Gray's appearance surprise you? Not because he hasn't been great but because he plays on the worst defense in the conference or close to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I did think about that, actually. But he is leading the tackling for by, like, 10 tackles. He leads the ACC in tackles by, like, I think over over 10 tackles. So, I think a lot of voters look at stats because, obviously, they're not watching every game. And so, they see, you know, who's what linebackers lead the nation, leading the conference in tackles. And they vote for that person. There's three people that won – uh, first team all ACC linebacker um, and such a great led the voters with 128 points. Um, so now I'm not surprised. I think it's very deserving. Yeah. Um, the defense has been better than the AC, in, in ACC play. Like we said, like Max said, um, and he leads the ACC in tackling and that's not easy to do. He's been healthy. He's been productive. You know, also like what, two interceptions, uh, pass breakups, forced fumbles, forced fumble fumbles, coverage. Yeah. Um, Had an uh, unbelievable record. year. Yeah, I listed the stats there in the article. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise at all. Um, if we can go th- we can go through it here, you know, I think second team was it uh, just one guy, right? It was Josh Downs, specialist, and Storm um, Duck, and Storm Duck. Now, I think that was more surprising. You know, the, the secondary has been pretty bad, but Storm Duck getting one of the two cornerbacks on the second team was 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 good to see as well. He's had a great last couple games. Um, yeah, Josh Downs is all purpose. Um, were you surprised there for anybody, Tommy or John? I mean, 
Where, where is the all-purpose? Is it all-purpose first team? I'm looking, or is it just like – Josh Downs is all-purpose second, second team. team. Uh, Will Shipley was all-purpose first team. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he had some good punt returns. I guess that's where your all-purpose gets from. To be honest, I thought he'd run the ball more, have some more rushes that would add sort of to that. But, yeah, he uh, – he did it all. I don't watch enough ACC football to to know that if there were somebody else in there, they could have put in there. But Downs is certainly deserving, given everything he does. I, I tell you what, and you mentioned Stormed Up. Couple couple things here. One, Cedric Gray being all ACC linebacker. That tells me ACC um, people actually look at stuff rather than um, they don't go quite as deep as they maybe need to, but they go deep enough to be able to put a guy like Cedric Gray on the first team. I know the NC State fan base is irate that Drake Thomas is not first team. And and quite frankly, and I'll piss some people off in the chat, he probably deserves to be up there somewhere. But he don't deserve to be above Cedric Gray, um, like they're saying. So that's a pretty cool thing. And then the fact that Duck is second team all ACC, A, it speaks to Duck, and B, it speaks to the voters actually – paying attention a little bit because he he did nothing for the first half of the season and, and really turned it on after Pittsburgh. Um, anything else in there you saw? I mean, North Carolina. Did did Drake not get – Drake Thomas not get any mention? No, he's second team. I thought he was second team as well. Yeah, he, oh, he's yeah, you're right. You're right. Team. Sorry, he's second team. Peyton Wilson is, is honorable mention. Isaiah Moore is honorable mention. Zach's yeah, um, Holyfield. Moore play. Dax Holyfield is honorable mention, and Trenton Simpson is third team. Yeah, um, and I said second. I said second team. Recruited him. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Simpson just sort of gets lost in Clemson's defense, right? I mean, he if he played for North Carolina, God, imagine if he played aside aside beside Gray and Eccles, but that's spilt milk there. Is he a, ju- is he a junior? Or is yeah, he a sophomore. Mm-mm. He's a junior. Okay, he would be the same. He would be the same class as Cedric Gray. Yeah, so he can uh, he can go. But yeah, just looking at the the things at, at all the rankings, not as many North Carolina people as you would expect for them being nine and three, but not really anybody I can look at and say, well, they really missed that. You know what I mean? I mean Antoine yeah. Green, third team, and, and Awesome Richards, maybe a second team guy, but a third team guy overall. Cayman Rucker is one guy that I wrote. I had his, his stats written out. Um, I thought he'd get honorable mention or something. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was pretty fair. I don't, know, yeah, I, so, I, mean, I, I don't watch much ACC. You know, you, you cover one team, you're, you're there two hours early, and you stay in three hours late. Um, that's eight hours, ten hours. You know, you're, you're missing a football. So, yeah, yeah, just for the people at home, too, Bryson Nesbitt, Power Eccles, and Corey Gaynor, those are the three people – who were honorable mention. We haven't mentioned their names yet too, but I was a little surprised, honestly, to see Power Eccles as an honorable mention all-ACC linebacker. I don't know exactly how the voting works, how long the tail is there, what the cutoff is to be included. Um, but, I mean, from UNC's defense perspective, it would make a lot more sense to put Cayman Rucker higher than than Power Eccles. But. Well, it's different positions too, so. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I again, think, not sure I how the think you works. fill out – I've never voted for this. I think – Every voter fills out a full first, second, and third team, and then they're they're given points based on where you fall. I think that's right. You know, Adam was a voter, and we would love to have him on the podcast to tell us. Yeah, well, big time again. 
No, he's not. Uh, yeah, that I will take that back. That's one surprise. Cayman Rucker not being even honorable honorable mention because good god they got everybody in the conference basically listed honorable mention and, and rucker certainly cert hey that could be some motivation for the young man he's done everything for carolina playing jack defensive end everything else he's had to do anything else on the football side and obviously we'll talk more about it on the game plan and um ross you had a good conversation about acc championship game with shotmer whose audio will be attached to this and, and yeah, I think the one thing to pay attention to is the transfer portal on December 5th, which is Monday, is, is going to be wild. Um, we're already planning for it because there's going to be UNC players who enter the portal, and, and Max been very open about that. It's not like I'm revealing any secrets here. And then UNC will get some transfers too um, at some point to enroll in January or, or in June. So they're meeting on Sunday. And they've been meeting, you know, by weeks and at certain times, I'm sure, during the season. But final decision – Will likely be made on Sunday, Monday, and they, they can enter the portal on Monday and, and start getting picked up by other teams. So it is it's gonna be a crazy couple of days there as players leave. Um, I think there'll be some surprises. I think you know some play, some starters may leave, some you know backups likely to leave. Players that aren't playing a lot. Those are the names you should look for. Um, so stay locked in inside Carolina on um, Monday, and I guess we can talk about it next Tuesday. On yeah. the, along those same lines, speaking of player movement, is this the last time we see Josh Downs in a Carolina uniform? Obviously, oh, you don't want to speculate yeah. at all, uh, but yeah, like you never, what, what, you never know with yeah bowl bowl opt outs and and stuff. It, that's not me reporting anything. I'm just sort of uh, wondering out loud there. This could be the yeah. last time we see him. Yeah, he could opt out of the bowl game. Um, players have done it before, so he is expected to be a first, second round pick. Um, so, you know, we had uh, Javante, Michael, Diami, and Chaz sit out the Orange Bowl last time. So, who knows? But he is, he's one, he's a little bit different guy. So, he may, you know, he has that dog in him and he loves to play. So, we'll see. Um, one, one thing you talked about the portal, Ross, and, and this is something if folks haven't listened to Mike Brown's press conference, like I said, he got pretty fired up in the end about, um, internet message boards and, and, and the like, but listen to him talk about NIL and about yeah. openly about NIL. And then you see a former Carolina commit that's gotten a crystal ball to a school down South, um, out of the blue, you know, just like going to a school out of the blue because allegedly and legally there's a big NIL package for him. It's just crazy. All the stuff that they can do. I saw NC state announced, um, come do charity work, get 25 grand as far as their <laughs> NFL, NIL thing. And, hey, you got to play the game. And, and Mac all but said it in his press conference is that, you know, how do you say something without saying something? You know, he said, folks got to pony up if they want to get a roster. And Ryan Day said it out loud, and Mac repeated it, $13 million to keep my roster. How about two? How about coaching contracts? Matt Rule, I'm looking at this now. In January 20, or 2030, he's going to be making $12.5 million a year to coach at Nebraska. You know where the he's going to be then? He's going to be on his couch somewhere. Well, probably because he's the same coach who got <laughs> ran out of town coaching the Panthers. It's crazy. There is a lot of money in this game now, and uh, it's just sort of part of it, both the NIL stuff that uh, you just said, Tommy, but also coaching contracts and, and all that. That's going to be also coming into – into focus here during the coaching carousel. 
Yeah, it's just unbelievable the money around. Um, so what to look for before we go to break and come back and talk about basketball? You got all ACC player or the player of the year, rookie of the year, depoy, opoy, I guess coach of the year, all that stuff tomorrow. Offensive player of the year, Ross, defensive player of the year, all announced tomorrow. Um, so you got a lot of news. Be looking on Inside Carolina for that. Uh, um, Drake may obviously in the running for several of those, and then. Um, Carolina gets ready for Clemson. I think they go down on Friday, treat it like a true road game, and, and Max got some availability on Friday. Ross, you going Friday to Charlotte? Yeah, I'll be there for the press conference on Friday afternoon. Yep, and then Inside Carolina Live from somebody's asking where the tailgate is, 1200 South Graham Street. Mm. Inside Carolina Live will be there from, I guess, 5 to 7 since the game's at 8. Um, come see us, uh, be a part of the show, get in on some swag, some swag from the brewery over there, some swag from inside Carolina, all that good stuff. What's the brewery? I can't pronounce it. It's BH. I'm sorry. It's Barani. Hold on. Look it up. You, you can pronounce that stuff better than I can. Ross, you're going to Indiana. You're coming back and then going no, to I'm Charlotte. Not going, I'm not, going to, I'm not okay. going to Indiana. Gotcha. No, uh, Adam's got Indiana. And then Ross and them will be in Charlotte to take care of it. Hold on. I'm going to find the name of that brewery and I apologize to them. Ravahana. Yes. Yes. There. And then we're in the back, that parking lot behind them inside Carolina will be set up on the corner, around the corner. Brahmari Brewing Company. Oh, Brahmari. Okay. And, uh, but it's a cool thing. So come be a part of that. Come check it out. Uh, Carolina's playing an ACC championship. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Nothing says football like Brahamari Brewery. Hey, hey, nothing says football like tailgating with Inside Carolina, drinking some beers, and then walking over to the stadium for a game. Let's go to Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com because nothing says Chapel Hill like the legends at Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. Take care of them. You know, I saw all the Black Friday, all the Cyber Monday deals Johnny T-Shirt has, but you know what? Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get 10% all the time from Johnny T-Shirt on top of those deals. Take care of them. They take care of us. You get everything you need. Christmas gifts. Um, I've got a son to pick up Saturday morning before heading to Charlotte. I'm going to go to Johnny T-Shirt, and I'm going to use the Inside Carolina Premium subscriber discount and get some swag for Christmas. Take care of them. They take care of us. They're great friends, alumni-owned and operated. Always support those folks. They're you, so support them. They support us. Ross, you got your stuff? You got your blue shock? Blue Shark Vodka, check it out. If you're going to Charlotte for the AC Championship game, pick up a bottle of Blue Shark Vodka for the tailgate, the smoothest vodka in the world, available in all 100 North Carolina counties. They're winning awards out of Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Shout out to Connor Barth and the people at Blue Shark Vodka for their support of Inside Carolina Podcast. On the Beat Live, calling the shots and the scoop, Blue Shark Vodka, the smoothest vodka in the world. If you're uh, tailgating with it, take a picture with the bottle and tweet at me. I'll retweet you. Um, Blue Shark Vodka, check it out. Support local, support independent companies like Inside Carolina and Blue Shark Vodka. We have some national ads, and we'll be back with On The Beat Live. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. On the beat live. What time is it? Because I got to put the national ads in there. It's 934. Carolina basketball. Ross, first of all, tell me how it was Portland. Because I've never been to Portland. And I've always kind of wanted to check it out. But a lot of basketball teams out there. A lot to do. Um, how was that trip for you guys? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was – weather was kind of just kind of cloudy and rainy, as you would expect. Uh, did a lot of walking around. But, I mean, if you were a college basketball fan, it was a great opportunity because there were 16 men's teams there. I guess eight women's teams, two different tournaments for the women, too, and UNC women won one side of it. Uh, but you could watch nonstop basketball. There were three different venues. It's all – the men, or at least the two main venues were – it's the Moda Center where the Trailblazers play. And then next door is like this minor league hockey arena called Veterans Memorial Coliseum, where I think the Trailblazers used to play. Yep. Um, and it's right. There. I mean, it's like you can go bounce, you can bounce back and forth. It's like a two minute walk, same little uh, opportunity there. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of basketball, a lot of national reporters are there. They can just bounce back and forth. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting city. It's beautiful in some areas, not so beauty, beautiful in some areas. Big, felt bigger um, than I remember. I went there five years ago, but it was good. I mean, other than the losses, I, th- I mean, I'll get into it, but uh, I mean, the overtime game was crazy. It was an awesome game to cover. It was really fun to watch. It was a crazy game. I think it could have gone either way. I don't like, I don't put much stock in losing that game because, you know, so long, either way, you know, UNC could have won that game. So, um, yeah, some good teams played. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, the Rose City, right? Is in that in Portland, Rose right. City? Yeah. Um, Bill yes, Walton said it's Rose City because the weather is perfect for um roses to go. Maybe that's the fact. The best Bill Walton, and I know you didn't hear it because you were covering it. The best Bill Walton line was, How does one get a nickname like Puff? And the other announcer said, You'd probably know how you get that great low key line shot at Bill Walton. Let's talk about the basketball team a little bit, Ross. One and two. Portland was pretty good. They almost had Michigan State beat. Um, you know, I thought those guys played well. Watching that game, did you get any sense of 
what was to come in those next two games watching that because those kids shot the lights out in three and then other teams did as well. Yeah, I mean, especially Alabama. Yeah, Portland was good, man. I, I don't think they were – I think it was a good team. They had some shooters. That, that big man was huge. That gave Baycott some trouble. Uh, the one guy was lights out. The second half, the other guy was, was really good. The names escaped me. Um, but, you know, this team needs definitely needs some work in certain areas. I do think they're missing Brady Manic more than a lot of people want to want to know. But um, I don't know. They The, the bit <laughs> – Hubert Davis keeps talking about using the bench, and he's not using it very much. Would be one takeaway from uh, Portland. We're tracking Dontrez Styles. I mean, he only played like two minutes against Alabama. Um, but I, these games are all close, and a lot of people are, are getting so crazy. I'm not too worried about this team. Um, I think I think RJ Davis is the heart and soul. I think he played great. Um, I think Caleb Love made some big shots. He shot the ball way too much against Alabama. They needed him to. Um, and when Baycock plays bully ball. He's, he's unstoppable. Um, and, and I don't know if y'all want to ask. I don't know what y'all thought. You know, you have a different vantage point than I do, kind of rambling here. But, John, what did you think about um, UNC in Portland? Well, I'll start with the the bench minutes. I think that is a really solid point there. I, I looked in the Ken Palm database. There are 363 teams in his database. UNC is second to last in bench minutes. There's Notre Dame very last and then there's North Carolina one wow. right above and that's odd I mean UNC has what looks like on paper a very deep bench and um, this point has been made by a few people so I don't want to uh, you know steal anyone's thunder but it's often been talked about how Roy Williams would play a deeper bench at the beginning of the season understanding that it would come with some lumps there would be some you know losses early in the season that UNC maybe shouldn't have, but that it would pay off in the long run. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, so far this season, UNC has not utilized its bench uh, to the point that I would expect. You know, this also happened last year, not just with the Iron Five in February and March, but really all season. Um, you look at UNC's number in that same stat last year, and they're in the 300s as well. Um, but I think it's really surprising that UNC hasn't used its bench more. Uh, to me, from the outside, an, an easy solution to that would be trying to stagger Caleb Love and RJ's minutes a little bit more and letting RJ run a bench unit with Tyler Nickel playing next to him or Caleb run a bench u- unit with Seth Trimble running next to him. I think there's different ways to do it, but you know, thus far, Hubert has, has elected not to do that. And I think, I mean, you saw how many minutes did Caleb play? 57 uh, in that four overtime game. So the, the minutes are going to add up as the season goes along. Looking at the stats, um, seven games in, listen to this, Ross. This is unbelievable. And and I know how many times Hubert says he's going to play to the bench. Caleb Love, and obviously the overtime plays into this, but Caleb Love's averaging 38.7, Armando almost 35, RJ over 36, Pete Nance 31, Leakey 34.5-ish, Trimble 11, Puff 20 and Puff in only four games. And DeMarco Dunn, nine, who I thought looked all right. Um, Dontaris Styles averaging a whopping 3.8 in just four games. That's not sustainable. I mean, it's just not. And I think when you start seeing guys get injured and, and get hurt late in games after they've played so much, I think that's a function of that. Now, anybody can twist an ankle at any time, but I, I think it just at some point, 
you start getting worn out. But let me give you another stat, Ross, and then I'll cede the floor to you. Caleb Love has shot the ball 122 times in seven games. Armando Baycott has shot the ball 67 times. Mm. Almost double. That is, that is that that's a that's a problem. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Baycott is the I mean, I think his scoring and shot attempts is a direct correlation to UNC's success. When he starts playing the bully ball down low, like he was really good against James Madison. Um, I know it's his best game of the season so far. UNC was great. I mean, he is such a force when he gets the ball and shoots. Um, I mean, like that the Caleb Love stuff, I know people are gonna be bashing on him for shooting so much. That's kind of that's kind of who he is. I mean, he is a high volume shooter. He was efficient, I think was against Portland. I have all the box scores in front of me, but I think he had a fish game in one of those games. But that's kind of what it is, man. He shoots a lot and he, he makes all of them. He makes some big shots. And he, you know, he was a guy who was called upon to, to take some of those late uh clock shots in the overtime period, the one who he dribbled for about 25 seconds before shooting. Um, it's kind of who he is, it's kind of what makes him great, too. You know, he has he has ultimate green light, um, and that allows for some bad shots, but also allows for some really good shots. Um, to address John's point. Yeah, it might just be Hubert Davis's thing not to play a lot of people. You know, he has a seven-man rotation now, maybe seven and a half if you include Marco Dunn, who's playing a more than I, more than I thought he would. So you got the starting five, then you have Pop Johnson, who I thought was great. I saw it in the comments here. Um, Pop Johnson was playing great against Alabama. I thought that he was great on defense, had some opportune steals, turnovers, um, made a couple baskets, and then you have they bring in Seth Trimble. It's part of that rotation. And then DeMarco Dunn. And that's about it. I mean, he's even playing he's even playing Tyler Nickel ahead of um, Dontre Styles, which is very surprising to me. Um, and so that's really all you see. You saw Justin McCoy a little bit, but he's not really part of the rotation. So I don't know. I think he just likes who he likes. And he rolls with him. We saw it a lot last year. And we'll see if that changes. But I think it might be a kind of a 7.5 rotation with, with the majority of the, of the reps going to the, the first kind of seven, six guys. Um I'm not too worried. I really am not about this team. Um, I mean, look, we, yeah, I saw some comments about Pete Nance. You know, he'd be the guy that guy you'd have concerns with, but he had a, a big game again. When was his big game? Was that in Portland? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was the five threes against Portland. Um, and then he had some great defense. I thought against Alabama surprised me with his perimeter defense late in the game when he was isolated on the guards. I thought he, he played pretty well. Um, it's so early, man. It's a long season. This is a tough road trip. Um, they could easily lose at Indiana tomorrow night, and they have to go to Virginia Tech um, Sunday. So um, we'll see. It's remember where this team was last year too. You know, yeah. You would I mean, think they'd be. You think they'd be better, you know? But there were some bad losses at this point last year too. They look very similar to last year um, at this point in the season. And and John, to your point earlier, Roy Williams would not intentionally sacrifice wins, but he would sacrifice wins to build depth and i'm not sure coach davis does that looking at pete nance today and, and this is another thing that's interesting to me pete nance eight for 13 hits five threes against portland goes 28 points all right he shoots eight for 13 in that game from the field he's got six shots against iowa state and only four against alabama i i think hubert did say the man had a great first half earlier in the season, and when he played, if somebody's hot, you get him the ball. 
I don't, you know, the shot selection, and John, I know you got something you want to do with shot selection. 36 shots is a lot. Uh, I mean, I, I can't, obviously, Billy Cunningham, Lenny Rosenbluth, those guys before my time. <clears throat> but somebody said in the chat, it's the just dribble out the shot clock and, and then shoot a pull up or shoot a three somewhere. Um, I just don't think that is sustainable unless somebody just makes a shot. And that's how you get to four overtimes. And granted, Alabama had opportunities too. I just, Caleb Love is a mercurial player and you live with that stuff because there are games where he goes nuts and shoots you to win. Duke in the Final Four being one, UCLA in the Sweet 16. And then there are games where he shoots you out of the gym and the other day being one. And then Duke, uh, Kansas in the championship being another. It is what it is. Um, he could rein it in a little bit. He could be more efficient. Um but, you know, it's kind of like this is what you get with him. I do think R.J. Davis is the leader of the team. and But you can't have your two starting guards shooting 60 out of the shots. 60 yeah, out R of 91 shots. I mean, that's – R.J. was 8 for 24. It's not much better than 13 for 36. Yeah, you um, got Baycott and Nance with 16 total shots. And Love and Davis with 60. I, I mean, I don't – that you can't do that. You can't do that. But you know, college basketball is a guard-led team, and uh, Alabama made one more play, and that's what happens. The Iowa State game was a little bit more disturbing because people were talking about the the defense, and Alabama had Sears make a lot of threes. But Caleb Grill mm -hmm. for for Iowa State goes for thirty-one with seven threes. In the next game they played. He had like one point and no made baskets. So that those issues are where it was concerning, um, especially when defense was a rock of their run last year. John, what you got? I'm going to take advantage of the, uh, the YouTube format here. Let's see if I can pull this up. Uh, this I'll also have to narrate for our audio listeners. I, I want to <laughs> make sure that if you're watching the YouTube, you can probably see this chart that I've pulled up. If you're listening on the audio, you obviously can't. But what I've pulled up here is this cool website. I'll sit, put the link in the chat so everyone can look at it together after the after the stream is over. But it shows shot charts for all of UNC's basketball players here. So here you can see Caleb Love. You can see a lot of blue out here on the perimeter. Blue is below average uh, when compared to college basketball. Um, so you see here Caleb Love is 0% uh, from this area of the floor. And the Division One average is around 32%. So that's why that's blue. Um, but it's kind of interesting. You can see some of the blue areas here beyond the arc where Caleb Love maybe hasn't had the hottest shooting start. Uh, RJ Davis, sort of a similar story, especially some blue in the mid-range. You'd expect him to be a little bit better there because that's one of his strengths. So maybe as the season goes along, that'll turn more red. Uh, red is good on this chart. And then you can see Armando Baycott. Uh, some red around uh, the rim, but also some blue. So maybe not dominating as much as he should be. Um, so this is kind of an interesting chart um, uh, just to see something we can maybe track as the season goes along here. Uh, one more point, too, with Caleb Love shooting. Um, he, I, I, I can't pull up the numbers right here. Let me stop sharing. I believe he was a 26% uh, shooter as a freshman. And then last year, he was a 36% shooter from three. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see which Caleb Love is going to sort of come to play this season. Is it more of that freshman year Caleb 
who was a less efficient shooter? Or was it Caleb from his sophomore season where he was a 36% shooter and, and much more accurate? That's, that's another thing to watch. That might be the coolest website ever. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Throw it in the chat. CBB college basketball analytics.com and you can go to shot chart. I've never seen that before. That is cool. What gets me about what you just showed is the number of dots on Caleb and RJ's versus the number of dots on Armando's and, and interesting on, uh, uh, Caleb love. He was terrible from two the last two years and he's gotten a lot better from two. So he definitely improved that type of game, little floaters and all, but yeah, if folks didn't listen to Justin Jackson and Taylor Vipolis and their their podcast, go check out what Justin Jackson had to say because that man was the king of the floater and the king of the, uh, the three-pointer at times for North Carolina. Ross, you say you're not worried at all. Carolina goes to Indiana, then has Virginia Tech. I mean, what's reasonable um, to think on this season? I mean, I know we're early, but what have you seen that surprises you? What have you seen that does not surprise you? Hmm. on the basketball floor i mean you've seen a lot so look at their schedule right here um yeah i mean i think they're just the assist numbers i th would expect to be a little bit higher with two really good guards um you know what was it 14 assists in a, in a in a 60 minute game um they got i think the offense is a little stagnant and they got moving around more i think getting score more in transition that's been kind of i think i kind of felt that way last year too um, you know, that was the hallmark of, of Roy Williams coach teams. And it does seem like they don't go as fast or play as fast or score and transition as much under Hubert, you know, less secondary break is certainly, um, part of that as well. Uh, I would just like to see Armando become dominant, more dominant. Um, and I think he, I think he will, he knows that I think he's got a pretty heavy burden carrying this team, uh, with a little voice crack there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we got a small sample size, got to see a lot more. This would be a big uh tests at indiana because uh, they're banged up man that was a long game on sunday and they're traveling and they're not sleeping in their own beds um you know they, they went directly from portland to indiana indianapolis and then bloomington so it's a long long road trip um but you know acc plays right on the corner you got virginia tech and georgia tech and then a little holiday break and then ohio state michigan and then it's all acc games from there so the fluff of the season's kind of gone now and it's it's lock in time, so we'll see. There's not many breathers left on the schedule. Um, let me pull up. Let me pull up one question too, because I'm curious. This is from Phil Bowen. He asks, "What are we thinking about Armando's injury, Ross? What did you hear after the game, and what have you heard this week?" Yeah, I mean the update. We talked to Hubert Davis today, and he said he's everybody practiced. Everybody practiced today on Tuesday, so everybody's good to go on Wednesday um, against Indiana. Would be the assumption. He was pretty banged up on Wednesday outside the locker room. They had a couple of players who were banged up. I know Leaky missed a little time, but he came back in with, uh, I think it was an ankle injury, but it was a physical game, a long game. Um, and they put the training staff to use for sure after that one. Um, so a good question there. That would definitely impact the game if he wasn't able to go. But according to what Hubert said today, he's good to go and they need him. He, him and RJ, I think, are the two players they have to have. Um yeah, I'd like to see Puff play more. I think he deserves a bigger role. Uh, I, I like when they went with – I mean, when Nance was out with foul trouble, I liked the lineup they had with with Puff at the four, um, Armando, and then Caleb, RJ, and Leakey. That was a, I think that was a, a, that's a lineup they'll go to more, I believe. 
I really like Puff Johnson's game and the way he took after the ball and dove mm-hmm. and got it. That that should have been the game-winning play there mm-hmm. at, in that Alabama game. It just didn't work out. Love Puff Johnson's game. Love the way he plays. Uh, I mean, Seth Trimble looking like a cornerback out there, diving and deflecting the ball in the corner. I saw somebody say, uh, can he play Saturday in Charlotte against Clemson? Um, but, you know, those guys, that's what you need from those guys. But Puff, Puff can be the shooter. Puff is the guy that gets the garbage rebound and makes the play. And, look, let's give a mini shout-out to Will Shaver. I mean, has he played it all? And then, First minutes. First minutes and, ever. And then he gets out there. And he uh, gets a basket or gets two free throws in a big-time game. Somebody mentioned in the chat, um, Alabama. Alabama's a tournament team. That is the exact team that North Carolina does not need to see in the NCAA tournament, similar to a Baylor type. Those guys were big, tall, long, and all. But Carolina had their opportunities. You know, I agree with you, Ross, this early. Um, there's some There's some things that were going on last year. That, that I see again this year that'll be interesting to see if they can take care of them. And, uh, you know, it's a long season, but it doesn't get any easier. Anything else, boys? We get out of here early tonight. That's all I got. Beat live. John, you Late got night. any more fancy stats? I might have accidentally uh, blocked Bull Heel, so I want to send out an apology <laughs> to him in an, attempt, in an attempt to be swift against some of the, the bots. So Bull Heel, if you're watching. You can say porn bots, John. It's okay uh, to say yeah. it. You said it. Not, your words, not mine. That's a new one, at least, too. That's a different one we usually see. Look, boys, I see them on Sunday mornings, so they're out in full force. But Bull Hill, you're on the message board as well. It was not intentional by John We Bowman. apologize. We apologize. <laughs> Producer John was quick on the trigger, and you got caught in the crossfire. Ross Martin, John Bowman. It's been Inside Carolina, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and Blue Shark. Appreciate you guys. Look for a post game. I promise you, I will have a post game after Indiana if I do it by myself. Um, hopefully, Dewey Burke will join me. Ross and all heading to Charlotte for Carolina and Clemson on Saturday night. Big week for North Carolina sports again. And USA beat Iran in World Cup soccer. I watched my first soccer game start to finish today. It's pretty impressive. Ross, you a big soccer guy? I watched the game today. It was. Uh, I'm not a huge. No, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but it's good to see. Who'd you cheer for, John? <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all see that press conference before the game, like yesterday? That was pretty intense stuff. Soccer's intense, man. Those dudes. I don't like the flopping. I feel like I'm watching some college basketball at times. But anyway, impressive All showing. Right. Let's get out of here. Ross is getting antsy. Let's go. Appreciate y'all joining us. We'll talk soon. InsideCarolina.com. Stay tuned after this, after these ads, these national ads, to close that show for Calling the Shots with Ross Martin and Jeff Schottmer. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome in to Calling the Shots here on a Sunday morning. UNC falls to NC State 30-27. This is Calling the Shots brought to you by Blue Shark Vodka. UNC ends the regular season on a, in a loss to the Wolfpack and fall to 9-3 on the season. I'm joined by Jeff Schottmer. What's going on, Jeff? What's up, Ross? Hey, appreciate you waking up at 6 a.m. in Portland to get this podcast done. That's dedication, man. That's right. Crossover season. So I'm in Portland uh, in a hotel room. So the backdrop's a little different. Jeff's in Dallas, according to the same kind of schedule. It's They played on Friday. Here we are on a Sunday morning getting this uh, show out to you. All right, Jeff, tough one for the Tar Heels. I was able to watch a lot of it uh, most of the first quarter and then kind of watch most of the second half while watching basketball. Um, you know, another flat performance by the UNC offense, um, and then went to double overtime and missed a field goal to lose the game. UNC finishes nine and three on the season, you know, nine and three, like we talked about before the show, like you would have taken that AC championships, ACC champions, nine and three had to play Clemson, but here we are. I think the fan base in general is very disappointed. We had a lot of topics to talk about. Let's start at the top, take it where you want to take it. Um, the floor is yours right now, Jeff. Yeah, I'm just I'm disappointed, you know, just like, you know, most of Tar Heel Nation is. And it's it's always frustrating when we lose to NC State, especially, in, you know, in the manner that we did coming off the season that we had through the first 10, 11 games. You know, it's it's frustrating. Um, it's disappointing. You know, I feel terrible for the guys. You know, they I just hate it more for them because these games, you know, albeit it's one game, you know, it, it, they, it stuck with them the rest of their life, you know, and, and they have to look back and be like, damn, we lost to state that year when we were ranked and they were unranked and they came into Keenan and beat us. And I hate it for them. Um, I hate it for our fan base. It's a game that we shouldn't have lost. You know, this is, this is one where we ride high into AC into the ACC championship game, finishing 10 and two, but we, we didn't make enough plays and we'll get to it in the meat of the, the podcast of why we didn't um, play, but it just sucks, especially, you know, at the beginning of the game, you hear Dave Doran's comments about kind of our program, how he how he feels about us. And it sucks when a guy comes out and says stuff like that and then he gets the upper hand on you. You know, w- when you're talking crap and you get the upper hand in the in the game, it, it's it stings a lot worse. Um, so it's just it's just a, it's a tough one. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about this on on the beat podcast that we record on Tuesday nights that. You know, this was it wasn't a mess, must win, but like for momentum purposes for the season, like now they're limping into the championship game. I mean, lost Georgia Tech, and then another loss of state, both at home. And you can I mean there's a good chance they lose to Clemson, and there's just no momentum and no motivation to to win in the bowl game. So they could lose four straight, which is you know devastating after going nine and one. So it's kind of where we are right now. Um you know, I thought like a loss to Wake Forest would, would have made sense. And then you come back and beat Georgia Tech, you beat NC State, and then you have momentum and you can get 
double digit wins for the regular season. That's that's a really good way to finish. But instead, two bad losses to third and and fourth string quarterbacks. That's that's even a thing. Like UNC favored by twenty one Georgia Tech, favored by almost a touchdown against State. You're going against these the third and fourth string quarterbacks, and it's been kryptonite for for UNC's defense. Yeah, and I think you know, like we talked about pre podcast that. Preseason, if you would have told all Tar Heel fans that we were going to be nine and three playing in the ACC championship, they would deem it a, a success. But in my eyes, I don't view it that way because I feel like you have to change your standards of the season as the season moves along. So we, you know, we start off, we get off to this hot start, and we're winning games, right? We're five and one, six and one, seven, one, eight, one, nine, and we're, we clinch the coastal. And at that point, that's that's as high as our program's been in in six, seven years. Right. We're top 13 in the country. We have a possible Heisman contender. We're talking about maybe sneaking into the playoffs and then we fall flat on our face. We really do. And we lose to two unranked teams at home with backup quarterbacks. Like, damn, I, I just wish we played every game on the road. You know, we we're undefeated on the road, but we can't we can't win two games at Keenan to close the year that on paper we should be we should win by 10 points plus on both of them. And it's it's frustrating because. You know, now we're nine and three, and we're 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 limping into the ACC championship. But in my eyes, it's it's a, it's a disappointment and it's a letdown because of how we were playing and in the capability and the the potential we had, and we never reached our potential. You know, we have so much talent and skill, and we should be eleven and one playing in the ACC championship. But um, now we're nine and three, and obviously, you know, we, we still. And I'm going to be optimistic about it. I, I do believe we have a chance to beat Clemson. But it's just we're limping in there and we, we got to get some things changed and we got to get it changed fast because Clemson, albeit they can get beat, you know, they still are a very talented team. And on paper, they're more talented than we are. Yeah, there's definitely a lot, like, a lot less hype for the AC Championship game. You're seeing, you see people want to sell their tickets. You know, you're limping in, like you said, I think it's the, 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 the general consensus right now within the UNC fan base. Okay, let's get into the meat of the podcast. We have a lot to talk about. Um, you know, do you want to just kind of get into the offense, um, the defense? Where do you want to go with it? The floor is yours. The first thing I'll talk about is I don't think we captured the momentum swings of the game well. And what I mean by that, in, in rivalry games, it's so emotional and there's there's so much at stake and, and you can just feel the, the, the tension in the air, even in the stadium. And – we didn't do a great job of capturing the momentum swings. And I'll give you four plays, for example. Okay. So the first one is our, our defense gets a turnover while NC State's driving in our red zone. I think Don Chapman forces a fumble. And mm -hmm. this, I think this was right before halftime. So we, first of all, we haven't played great red, red zone defense all year. And we make a huge play, get a fumble, and our offense doesn't do anything with that ball. You know, we don't get points on the board. We don't take time off the clock. We do nothing. We're stagnant. We punt the ball back to NC State, and they we let up a big return, and they go end up scoring before halftime. So that, in my eyes, is a 6- to 10-point swing, and we didn't capture any of the momentum there, right? You have to jump on those momentum opportunities in, in a rivalry game. The second one, NC State put the ball on the ground twice. One, one with uh, – I think Cedric Gray popped the ball out on a receiver and Geo Bigger just going up and he has a chance to, to get the ball, but the NC State receiver gets it instead of him. 
And, and those are 60, 40 plays that we have to win. Like he had a better chance than the receiver to get that ball. The other one was uh, uh, Finley, the quarterback. He put the ball in the mesh for the running back and, and Travis Shaw, the ball's on the ground. Travis Shaw could just fall on it and he coughs it up and, and their center ends up jumping on it. So that's two turnovers right there that we should have had. And then, the, and then another one is uh, Don Chapman's inter- missed interception. The ball hit him in the hands and he does what, typical DBs do when they drop it is clap and, and shake their head and, and act like they're pissed off, bro. You got to make that play. It's hits you in the hands. And, you know, it's just, and the last one was in the fourth quarter, the defense, um, we get a huge stop with five minutes to go in the game, right? It's great momentum. We're getting the ball back with, you know, five minutes to go. We're tie ball game. We're, everyone in the stadium thinking Drake May is going to go lead a touchdown or a field goal drive to win the game. And two plays later, we throw an interception. The D-line makes a great play to get his hand on on, on Drake's hand. But, like, in, in all instances of those, we had a chance to really capture the momentum and flip the game with four huge, four or five huge plays, and we just don't do it. And it's frustrating to look back at that. Because if you if you isolate individual plays in a game, you never know which one is going to be such a huge momentum swing because it gets kind of mundane and like who knows if it's this one second down run that's the difference in the game, you know, a second down run in the second quarter. But it, it, it has the ability to have huge momentum swings and we didn't capture any of it. And that's that in my eyes is the difference in that game. Let's get into this. I mean, what's up with Drake May? Like, have you noticed anything from watching him? It just seems like last two games he's been off. The offense has been off. Play calling suffers. I don't know if you know chicken or the egg, chicken or the egg situation where like is it Drake that's off? Is it the play calling that's been off? Um, you know, it's been so good all season, and the expectations are so high now. He's had two bad games. Um, he just hasn't been as efficient. He hasn't made the plays that we're used to seeing from him. And and you know, he's carried UNC for the first. 10 games and now when he doesn't play well um unc struggled he was 29 for 49 for 233 one touchdown one interception and just didn't have the the big plays the big passing plays look no completions over 19 yards i just i just noticed that um and you know antoine green eight catches josh Downs six catches spread the ball around but he's seen something's up i don't know if it's injury i don't know if it's or what? But I mean, have you noticed anything? I mean, get, we can kind of get yeah. to play calling from that. Yeah, I just yeah, him and Josh look their connection is is off a little bit. You know, the first play of the game is NC State runs a cover zero pressure, meaning they're blitzing everybody, and all of our skill positions are one on one, and there's no safety help. And Josh Downs runs like a quick six yard hitch. Drake throws in the ball, and and all year that's a pitch and catch. Maybe Josh makes the defender miss and. and and gets up field, but either Josh drops it, the defender makes a good play, but it's just like simple pitch and catch. That was a six yard route between Drake and Josh. Like it's, it's just off for whatever reason, the timing, you know, Josh has had a few drops. Maybe it's something in his head, the pressure getting to Drake. Like, I don't know exactly. I can't pinpoint exactly what it is, but I, I don't think it's anything mechanically or anything, you know, confidence wise, like Drake did make some big time throws in this game and some big time plays with his legs, but just like, the first two, you know, series of the game, his his rhythm was off a little bit. He was throwing behind receivers. You know, sometimes we're having issues with our receivers dropping the ball. So it's not all on Drake, but for whatever reason, and I don't know, I'm not around them every day at practice. I, I don't know for, I can't 
you know, put a pinpoint on why they're off. But yes, they do. They do look a little, you know, connection not as good. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Blue Shark Vodka here quickly, and we'll move on to the next part of the podcast. Blue Shark Vodka, the sponsor of Calling the Shots, we appreciate what they do for this podcast and all of Inside Cons podcasts. The smoothest vodka in the world out of Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, Blue Shark Vodka. I want to thank Connor Barth and the people at Blue Shark Vodka for their support of this independent, locally owned company supporting an independent and locally owned media company inside Carolina. So thank you to Blue Shark Vodka. Drink responsibly, and we appreciate Blue Shark Vodka for their support. All right, Jeff, where are you going to take this? I know we have um, – you know, the third down offense, State's D-line, getting more into, like, kind of the culture and Dave Dorn's comments. Yeah, I want to talk about State's D-line because um, this kind of, this kind of you know, falls right after why Drake, I don't think, played as well. Mm-hmm. So, it to, in my eyes, the difference in this game was how their three down D-linemen played. You know, there was times when NC State would blitz five or six and, and put – put a bunch of heat on Drake and he would have to get the ball out quick. And then there was also times where they would drop eight and rush three. And those three D linemen were causing havoc against our offensive line with just three, three down rushers. And, you know, they were aggressive as hell. They were, um, you know, physical. They were um, consistent in their pass rush lanes. Like those guys made a huge impact on the game and, and really beat up our, beat up our O line. And I think Drake, the thing was like, when we were passing, they were rushing three and dropping eight, and Drake really had nowhere to go with the ball. And then when we were running the ball and running our counter plays, like it looked like they were blitzing everybody at us. So whether NC State's defense, like good job for Tony Gibson, he had a beat on you know Longo's tendencies, but it looked like every time we were passing or Drake was running the QB draw, they were dropping eight and they were smashing our routes and there was nowhere nowhere to go with the ball. And you know when, when they like I said when they were running the counter plays, they were. That, that safety number 10 was blitzing downhill and, and was making plays at the line of scrimmage from his safety position. So it's, you know, but, but it started with the three down line up front and, and they really got after our, our guys and they were the, you know, they made one of the biggest plays in the game and getting the hand on uh, Drake's interception. So, you know, yeah. those guys, they were the difference in the game, in my opinion. Tanner Ingle, number 10, the safety there. Yeah. I mean, we knew that this is a good defense. You know, the rank, Top twenty-five, top twenty in almost every cat, every major category. So it was a tough defense. Probably one of the best defenses UNC will face all year. Um, and they, and they struggled. And it's two straight game, games that, that Drake May has struggled. Um, let's get into UN, into UNC's defense um, specifically. You know, no Tony Grimes. They learned of that the morning of the game. So it, it thrust Legend Cavazos into extra time. You saw Marcus Allen play a lot. Um, will Hardy play a lot once Cam Kelly. Um, got out. I thought, I mean, Marcus Allen made two big plays that jumped off the screen. Um, so it was, you know, positive to come out of this game is you have some young defensive backs who are playing, playing a lot. And except, except to the moment, I know you want to talk about those two guys. Let's go to the snap counts real quick. I have it in front of me. One second here, live podcasting here. Actually, go ahead, Jeff. I'll bring it to you in a second. Yeah. I mean, I think the play from our defense is kind of what we've seen all year in terms of we we couldn't script a worse start to begin with right they score in three plays they march right down the field storm duck slips on a on a go route and and then they they bring in the running quarterback and run a qb power and we're not even close to stopping them right so 
it, it's how teams have started against us all year, going right down the field and scoring. And, you know, at times we played very, very adequate defense, but it's the story of our team all year is we, we put, we let up a lot of points in the first half. We, we get it together in the second half, play better. And then we let up a late touchdown. You know, it's just, we play so well for stretches of the, of the game. It's just frustrating because we, we, we slip up one or two plays here and those plays end up being giant momentum plays and they, they're scoring touchdowns on it. Like one, for example, they, um, NC state that I think the second touchdown they have in the game is they run a little play action vertical route and our post safety is staring at the run and bites on the run when he should be in the middle of the field covering the guy that scores the touchdown. It's just like little plays like that, little mishaps our defense has, they end up killing us in the long run because we go, we play stretches of the game where we look really good. Like our third down numbers, we were, we allowed, I think, five conversions out of 20 or, or, or it was 20, 20 to 25%. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but. Uh, four, four for 16. Four NC for State 16. was four for 16 on third down. UNC was actually five for 20 on third down. Yeah, and, and look, we get a turnover in the red zone. We do some good things, but like when, when the pressure's high, we don't play good situational football. That's the thing that that bothers me is, you know, like I think every fan in the stand saw when they had a fourth down late in the game, they run double slants and our and our DBs are sitting at eight yards off. It's fourth and four. They're beat by alignment, right? They're scooching off the ball when when the receivers they're just giving up free access for a first down, and it's just like. We don't play good situational football. And like, I feel like we play well through the middle parts of the game, the second and third quarter. But, you know, when, when big fourth downs arise, when, when red zone defense, when goal line defense happens, like we don't step up to the challenge and, and it's, it's bothering. Yeah. They had nine tackles for a loss and NC state did another big tackle for a loss game. Looking at here, they, they fumbled the ball four times and only lost one. Yeah. Um, which was which is crazy. I know that four times on the ground there, um, and yeah. So Marcus Allen, I'll go through the snaps here, just a little positive. Will Hardy played fifty three snaps. Cam Kelly only thirteen. So when Cam Kelly went out, Will Hardy played the rest of the game, and Marcus Allen played twenty snaps, um, giving Storm Duck and Legend Cavazos a breather. But Cavazos played almost the entire game. Yeah, he played sixty six snaps, which is most of the game there. So. When, when Marcus Allen came in, he played for, for Storm Duck. So um, a good mix of DB there. And, and I thought I thought Marcus Allen looked pretty good, had a pass breakup and a, and a really good solid tackle in the open field. And I didn't see Will Hardy make many mistakes. I don't know if you saw anything different there. So good to see how those true freshman defensive backs. Yeah, and, um, and, I'll, and I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about them. You know, Will Hardy has been playing in our in our dime package all year, right? From the, I think from the – the first game, right. He's been playing, you know, six to 14 snaps a game on third down and all those snaps that he's played in the first 11 games benefited him in this, in this game, right. He has to go play 40, 50 snaps, but he's, he's comfortable because he played so many, you know, he, he accumulated so many snaps in those first 10 to 12 games that he's comfortable and able to communicate. And the, the thing about Will Hardy First of all, he's always in the right spot. He's always communicating. You can see him on the field. Like, he's looking to the other defenders and communicating. He takes great angles. Like, I think he's he should be the starter going forward. He should start in the ACC championship game. I think our best two right now are him and Don Chapman. Don Chapman's played pretty well his last two games. And Geo Biggers can come spell them a little bit. But our best two right now are, are, are Hardy and, 
and Chapman. In, in the last play of the game that NC State has in, in overtime, they're targeting Will Hardy's guy on third down and third and goal, and Will Hardy is in perfect position, and the, the quarterback has to kind of throw it away. So props to Will Hardy and, and props to Marcus Allen, you know, two true freshmen coming in there and and making plays. And and the biggest thing is we didn't notice them making bad plays. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like they weren't they weren't getting beat. They weren't missing tackles. It was like they were just doing their job and in the right spot. And that's what we need, we need more of. Yeah. Props to Marcus Allen. I mean, he hasn't played at all since yeah. the first game, I think. And to come in and, and play that snaps and be good. I mean, that's, that's a tough situation for the for the young defensive back. All right. NC State. I mean, just just a just a bad, bad loss. I mean, you mentioned Dave Dorn's comments that were shown on the broadcast that he told the the TV commentators. Um, about UNC's coaches and the blue collar stuff and just him celebrating the locker room with the lighter red t-shirt. And it was tough. It's tough to watch. Um, you never want to lose to your rival. It hurts every time. And this is a bad loss. I think this and Georgia Tech, you'll remember these for a while. I mean, Georgia Tech lost one of the worst losses in UNC, recent UNC football history. This one ranks up there too, because this is the third four-string quarterback. And what was at stake? You know, Obviously, Drake May Heisman campaign is over. Um, no chance to get the college football playoff. You know, there's a, there's a way now where UNC won't win um, double digit games. So you know where we were after Wake riding high. We've had a lot of victory Mondays, and so here's the other side of the coin. There as we wrap up NC State. Anything else you want to touch on there? The Dave Dorn stuff. Um, you know, anything you can talk about anything. I mean, something's up with this team too. I think. There's something that needs to change, and I don't know how much you want to get into it, but we can we can dive into that too. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean the Dave Dorn stuff. It, it, I hate to talk about them like this, especially after they they come into our stadium and win. But you know, it it just shows how NC State, like his comments, he in in the broadcast, he said, you know, they dislike us, we hate them. You know, so like they have a stronger hate towards us than they than we have towards them. But but the funny thing about him is he claims this, you know, this blue collar hardworking work ethic kind of gritty program and then he's talking about he's kind of complaining being the tattletale that our coaches are bad mouthing him and recruiting or bad mouthing nc state like come on bro like you sound you sound whiny there like i just you can't you gotta play you can't play both sides of the candle there you gotta if you're gonna be the the blue collar tough guy then then don't complain about our coaches bad mouthing you because i can guarantee you that there's nc state coaches on the on the road bad mouthing UNC, whether they're saying Coach Brown's too old or, you know, we're, you know, this pretty school, whatever, like whatever they want to make up, you know, so don't don't come to the media and be like our, our UNC coaches are bad mouthing. I just I think that sounds a little weak, but they did get the win and he's allowed to make his comments. And I don't mind him celebrating and, and doing the turn it red thing or showing up his shirt like good for him. But, you know, it just the fact that he came out and was like, you know, we dislike them or they dislike us and we hate them. I just like, I don't know. He, he bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the perfect coach for their fan base. I think he fits all the stereotypes. You know, he kind of plays the little brother role very well. And what was me type thing. And he does embrace the rivalry and, and it definitely hates UNC. And that comes off in his comments too. I just, yeah, the recruiting stuff and the bad mouth and coaches, like I think it kind of, you kind of keep that to yourself. It kind of, you know, recruiting is just a different monster, and yeah. a lot of things go in recruiting that you just don't want in the public there. Um, and, and obviously, they were allowed to release those comments from a journalistic perspective. He, they probably asked him, like, hey, can we say this on the broadcast? He's like, yeah, yeah. 
And then he has to go and obviously shake hands with Mac Brown and hug up on him. And so it's it's kind of an awkward thing. Um, the other that. thing with him is he always, you know, he always talks about how many players that they're missing for the game. Oh, they're down eight starters and and woe <laughs> is me. I'm like, well, you built this culture in this, you know, program where you're depending on blue collar and grit and toughness. Well, don't talk to the media and tell them how many players you're missing. Just go play. It's the next man up mentality. So, but obviously they won the game. So, I, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just they, they put, them, they, they put together a seat after losing Devin Leary. I mean, they beat Wake Forest, they beat Carolina. They put together a pretty good run here without their their best player, the preseason All ACC Player of the Year, yeah. Devin Leary. It, but here's um, the thing: they they were blue collar when they played us, but were they blue collar when they beat or when they lost to Louisville and Boston College? And like, I don't know. Yeah, those those are bad losses too. Yeah. Okay. Um. So ahead for UNC is the ACC championship game. They're come. They're gonna have a long week this week. Played on Friday. They play Saturday at 8 p.m. against Clemson. Clemson lost to South Carolina at home yesterday on Saturday. Huge, tons of losses, tons of upsets in college football yesterday um, across the board. LSU losing, um, Michigan beating Ohio State, and Clemson losing to South Carolina. So they're coming in off a loss as well. Um, there's probably a little bit less motivation there too. They have no shots to get into college football playoffs. So both teams limping in. You played this game. You played in this game, 2015 AC Championship game. Last time I covered a game at Stadium. Well, that's not true. But last time I covered an AC Championship game, obviously was covering you um, against Clemson. Your thoughts on kind of this prep for this week? You know how the team's feeling um, and what it's like getting ready for this type of game. The first thing is the magnitude of the game, right? It's still the ACC Championship. You have the ability to go win this game and, and etch your name in, in Carolina football history. We haven't won an ACC championship since 1980. So regardless of how this season's played out, like we still have the ability to win one game and this team will be remembered forever. And, and a lot of our guys are from Charlotte, like the ability to go play in their hometown uh, on a national stage, national TV against a program that has been premier in the last 10 to 15 years in college football. So like throw all the other BS out the way, we have a chance to go win a game and, and, etch our names and, and and go to the orange bowl like we still have a ton to play for and that's what as a fan base we need to accept obviously we're disappointed in how the season's gone but we can win one game and and go to the orange bowl and, and be acc champs like that's a hell of a year so this is this is a giant game like there's still so much to play for and i know that's that's kind of how our guys are feeling that's how they have to feel they can't feel sorry for themselves they can't be down like they got a 24-hour rule put this one to bed obviously it's going to suck for the next 11 months that we lose the state but go flip the script and go do something that no unc team has ever done yeah i mean you, you nailed it you know they could winning next two games winning beating clemson and then winning in the orange bowl you know that would be huge so that'd be 11 wins be 11 and three same record as as y'all's team in 2015 that'd be a very positive way obviously way better than losing in the last two, but right. playing the orange bowl, they'd be up for that. You know, it changes everything. So beating Clemson anytime now is a huge win. It'd be the biggest win in, in program history under Mac. He hasn't had a, a really a signature win yet um, in my opinion. So that'd be big as well. What's this week like? Is it just extra media attention? I mean, I, I remember, um, I remember SBA coming in and doing anything with you and Chiswick and, and Shaq 
yeah. on TV and stuff. There's a little more attention with this game. This game is not as hyped as other conference championship games. But is there anything different this week, or is it just kind of status quo? Before I talk about that, I just want so when preseason starts, right? Coach Brown has a team meeting, and and the goals of the year are to win the coastal, to win the ACC championship, to win your bowl game, whatever bowl game it is, whether it's a New Year's Six playoff. So, like, we still have most of our goals out there for us to get. So, we won the coastal. Now we have a chance to win the ACC. Like, I just want to put that out there. Like, that, those are our goals when they start the year. So, we can still achieve those. But Speaking on the week of the game, yes, there is more media hype. Sports Center came in and they did like a segment on us, our defense, and then Marquise and some of the offensive guys. You know, we were honored at the basketball game that week, but like it's it's it's, it's a normal week. It's a normal week. Work week, yeah. practice is structured the same. Obviously, the game's in Charlotte, so they'll just bust to Charlotte on Friday, just like it's a you know, any other game. They're not like heading out a couple of days in advance like they would for a bowl game. So it's the coaches were in the office yesterday. I'm sure players were already watching film of Clemson on Saturday. You know, it's – I know all of them were sitting down watching Clemson's game live. It's just – it's a normal week. You know, practice structure is the same. I guess we get an extra day of rest and recovery because we played on Friday. Um, so, I guess that benefits us a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the 13th game of the year. Like, everyone's a little dinged up and – it's more more mental reps this week. It's nothing. There's no more walkthroughs that we're doing. There's no added practices. It's just same work week, same structure. Because going into championship week, you don't want to change anything. You don't want to make this game bigger than than it already is. You know, uh, yeah. so that, that's that's kind of how it is. Yeah. All right. Big one uh, in Charlotte. You'll be there, right? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm flying in Thursday night. So, what's uh, what what's your, what's your what's your prediction for the game? I, I think I think Clemson win. I just the way UNC's playing, man, I, it leaves me uninspired. Like the defense, or the, sorry, the offense is just off. Look, they had a better quarterback by far. I mean, I think Drake's way better than, than DJU, but he's not playing well, and they can't win if if he's not slinging the ball. They have to score, obviously, they have to score into the 30s and 40s now to win. The defense is is holding teams to you know in the 20s. Um, but I don't know what's up, man. Something's up, and they got to get it fixed this week. I think it's a big week for leadership, player-led leadership. The coaches have to change something because they just have not brought it last two weeks. But, I mean, what? I think you, I think Clemson's favored by a touchdown. Have you seen that? I think yeah, it's, I, I think, think it's, it's seven and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, I'd so. be interested to see if the line changes just based on, you know, how this last last weekend went. But um, I think UT definitely our- has a chance. They're not Clemson doesn't, doesn't Clemson seem as scary as they have in the past. You know, they're not no. as good. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if UNC wins, but there's nothing right now that I've seen the last two games that's giving me hope that the Tar Heels win. Yeah, our offense has to get off to a fast start. I think the last, I mean, obviously last game we go two and outs, two three and outs mm-hmm. to start the game. You know, we have to put some pressure on Clemson because you saw what what South Carolina did to them. Obviously, they they forced some turnovers. You know, they had some turnovers in special teams and on defense. But, you know, we have to force some turnovers. We have to get to a quick start on offense. And we have to get the Josh and Drake connection back and, and rolling. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if early, early on in the Clemson game, like we're targeting Josh quick, quick, easy access throws real quick. Just get him the ball in his hands, get him in space, get that confidence back with Drake. Um, because you do see some frustration with Josh and Drake in the past two weeks, like, going back and watching the film, I think there's some times where, where Drake doesn't is not necessarily looking for Josh and he's beating his defender and not, not hitting him. 
uh, or not even looking his way at times. And, and you can see Josh gets a little frustrated. So I think, you know, they got to get their swag back, their mojo back and get him some early touches because the more touches Josh gets, the more confidence he gets, the easier Drake, you know, flows into the game. So that's what I would like to see early and often from, from coach Longo is, you know, get that man the ball. Um, but and that should be I the game plan every, that should be the game plan yeah. every week. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that that should always be the game plan. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but no, I see a game in the in the thirties. I do think you know we have a chance to win this game. I don't want it to go to OT because it doesn't favor us in terms of our red zone offense and defense. You know we're we're not good at either really. So let's try to win this one in regulation. But uh, they were really good in the red zone. The thing is, the, the offense has been good in the red zone until the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's so. But, but, but I remember watching Clemson versus Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago, and I was you know tweeting about it. I was like, look. If anyone's watching this game, and this was, you know, as we were playing a lot better a couple weeks ago, but anyone's watching this game, UNC has a chance to beat this Clemson team. You know, they looked a little defeated then. They, you know, uh, they they had some bad turnovers. Their offense wasn't get wasn't moving the ball at all, and uh, their defense was obviously getting getting gashed and by a Notre Dame offense that is isn't as good as ours, in my opinion. So, I'm expecting a a game in the 30s. You know, I could see a 31-28 or a 34-31. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll give my final prediction later this week. I got to think about it a little more. I'm not gonna go ahead and say it, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's gonna be. Look, our fans should still be there supporting our guys. We're playing the ACC championship. Like, come on, it's it's in Charlotte. That's our recruiting hotbed. That's our, you know, a bunch of our fan base lives in Charlotte. It's an easy drive for everyone in, in North Carolina. Like, if, if regardless of what what we're ranked and how we finish the season, like we're playing the ACC championship with a chance to go to the Orange Bowl. Let's be there. Let's be loud. Lots of Blue Shark vodka in our systems. Yeah. So, I mean, it should be it should be a fun day. I mean, I'll, I'll be there all. I'll get it. So I have Friday. I have to get there for a press conference on Friday. Mac does like a 45-minute thing with Dabo back-to-back. So I'll be there Friday. And then all Saturday, the game's at 8. It should be a really fun day. Weather looks pretty good. Right? Peep the weather. Should be about in the 50s and 60s pretty clear. So should be a fun day in Charlotte. Um, I know a lot of my friends are going to be down there. So it should be good. All right. Tough podcast to do. The Tar Heels fall to the Wolfpack. Um, let me get the score here. 30 to 27, double overtime. That's in the past. UNC now takes on Clemson. We'll do one more show, Jeff. All right. We'll do a show on the Monday after the Clemson game um, to kind of head into bowl season. Um, UNC's 9-3. Clemson, 8 p.m. I believe that's ABC game. Could be ESPN, one of the two, um, for the AC Championship game. Appreciate Blue Shark Vodka. Thank you, Jeff. Hope you all enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. and sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. 
there's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.